Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today, we're going to be talking about the topic of comfort zone and pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone in order to grow. It's funny because technically the first podcast that we ever recorded for Chasing Presence had to do with comfort zone, but we never actually ended up publishing it because the audio quality was so bad that it was almost impossible to really listen to and understand. And so we finally decided that now in episode 30, we're going to essentially redo this topic, so to speak, um, and talk about comfort zone, the importance of stepping outside of one's comfort zone, things that we've done to step outside of our own comfort zones, how it benefits us, the different types of ways that you can step outside of your comfort zone. There's there's ways you can step outside of your physical comfort zone. There's ways you can step outside of your psychological or mental comfort zone. And these different types of comfort zones um, can help you grow in different ways in life and can be incredibly beneficial on this path of spiritual development and can also help you achieve certain goals, um, and learn about your, your, your strengths and weaknesses and help you cultivate um, better development in areas maybe where you're lacking or where you aren't as far along and also continuing the momentum in certain areas where you are doing well in your life. So um, let's start off by talking about one of the things that you did earlier this year, which is um, essentially laying down on the ground in crowded areas. And why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um... So those are called comfort zone challenges and they are not easy because of the way that we have been conditioned into into society to kind of conform and, you know, be nice individuals, which, you know, has its purpose in and of itself. But what happens is you kind of don't question, like some people don't end up questioning why that is. And because of that, it can lead to tendencies to not want to um, experience anxiety or like experience discomfort, which then is going to lead to stagnation and not being able to trust yourself. So I kind of realized I had a little bit of this conditioning in me or actually a fair amount. And I wanted to see what I could do about improving that. So yeah, there's this thing called comfort zone challenges. Um, Basically, you know, it's very scary to lie down in a crowded place for us because we perceive that if someone judges us, it's going to lower our social status or which by the way, lowering your social status is definitely a somewhat valid instinctual fear because on a certain level, social status is what determines our, our safety in society. And, you know, we, in order to survive, we need to have some sort of social safety. And then Obviously, if you're if you feel loneliness, then you're going to experience more feelings of anxiety and um, it's it's not going to lead to feelings of well-being, of course. So, yeah, get being someone who gets out of your comfort zone leads to more serotonin in your system, which, you know, on average, the I mean, the alpha males in society have more serotonin in their system and, and they've tested this in humans and in lobsters. Um, 
than you know the the lower status males if we're just going purely on biological um you know human social hierarchies um i believe primarily more testosterone more than anything was the difference yeah but then there's also like a correlation with serotonin but you know maybe more testosterone equals more serotonin who knows There, there there could it's it's correlation i don't think it's causation but i think it's a strong correlation um but anyway, do, do that research yourself. Um, but yeah, so higher levels of testosterone and, and um, serotonin usually is accounted for in males, more feelings of well-being. And then as a result, easier it's easier to get out of your comfort zone or to trust yourself to enter a new unknown situation when you have those hormones going throughout your body. So doing something like a comfort zone challenge where you go to a grocery store, for me, that's what I did because... Um, you know, earlier this year, I was very into, you know, being scheduled and using my time as wisely as possible. So I would just go to the because I was already going to the grocery store. I was just like, why not kill two birds with one stone? I'll do a comfort zone challenge while I'm here. And let me tell you, leading up to it, it like it was absolutely just horrifying. Like I'm experiencing like loads of chest tightness, no matter how aware I am of it. I'm still experiencing it. Um. But that's okay because I, I realize that that's just how I've been conditioned. I have to experience this in order to get out of my comfort zone so you know it, it gets easier. It's just like you have to. And it's just something that you experience because of conditioning. It's not something that like you necessarily have to necessarily have to let control you. Um, because the second you just like unconsciously let it control you, that's when you're not going to like jump out of your comfort zone. So doing this practice is, is it's kind of extreme. I would say, uh, I don't think you, you need to necessarily do what I did, which is literally just lie down in front of a grocery store entrance. <laughs> what one guy once asked me if I was okay. And like, he asked me if, if um, like he needs to like call like the, the, an ambulance or something like that. But then like, they, yeah, like after, during that, I was feeling a little bit embarrassed, but then afterwards, it's just, it's just a funny story. It's just like in the moment, we can definitely get caught up in those feelings of, of you know, social anxiety and dread. Oh my God, what if this happens? What if some attractive person comes over here and like their posse makes fun of me and like shames me? Um, it's like, okay, but like you are allowing them to, or you're not even allowing them. You are using your concepts of how you perceive someone judging you to affect your social status to like flood your body with emotions and anxiety. That is what is causing you to experience that, that dread of, ex- of experiencing a certain situation. And you kind of realize that when you start to do these comfort zone challenges, you're just like, Oh, that really wasn't that bad. And then like, I, I remember when I did that and that guy came over, I saw him earlier and he did, literally didn't even look at me. He just like literally forgot in like five minutes, what the hell just happened, right? Um, I mean, I told him it was a comfort zone challenge just so he like wouldn't freak out or anything. But it like, it's just proof that no one actually gives a fuck about what you're doing. And that's kind of what the, the purpose of these things is to prove to your subconscious mind. Because like your conscious mind is like, oh yeah, I don't care about anyone. But like on some level, your subconscious mind does. And your subconscious mind isn't, isn't aware of anything. It's just like synapses that are just automatically firing. So it's like, you, you kind of just need to like to take action to so to to prove to yourself because like here's the thing after you do something extreme like that then you then you get feelings of relief of well-being 
And when you get those positive emotions, it's, it's a lot, I mean, I, I, I forget the exact mechanism of how it works. Um, you know, in becoming supernatural by Joe Dispenza, I know that it's a lot easier to program your brain when emotions are involved. Um, so when, when you experience those positive emotions and relief, because you're like, Oh, I just did this really hard thing. I am proud of myself. It's going to actually lead to you becoming just more comfortable with getting out of your comfort zone. Um, so I, I did that a few times. I, I only did it three times because after a certain point, I'm just like, okay, yeah, like this, you know, this helps. And, but it, it's, it's just not because I was trying to get somewhere. I'm, I'm trying to become someone who's like trying to get out of their comfort zone instead of just embodying that in the moment. Um, so that's why I kind of stopped, but I'm really glad I did it because it just, it helped me realize that no matter what situation you're in, you're going to get anxiety. And that's okay. And that's, that's just like the way it is. And if you are aware of it and instead push past it, you're going to trust yourself more. And it's, it's a great feeling. It's just like delayed gratification in a certain sense. And you realize that, um, no one really gives a fuck about what you're doing. Yeah. Other, most people are focused on themselves and their own narrative and their own story and how people are perceiving them and in their world, they're the center of their own universe. And so when you do something that's maybe um, unconventional or that goes against like the status quo or normal social uh, social constructs, yes, people will probably, some people might see it and recognize it and say, oh, that's kind of weird. But then they're just immediately, almost immediately going to go back to their own world and their own thoughts and their own problems and their own responsibilities. And they're essentially going to forget what happened or not really care about it. No one else is as invested in your life as you are for the most part, right? Unless, you know, even, even if you're in a, in a, in a very strong committed relationship or, you know, you have a parent or whatever, like in those situations, yeah, those people will be more invested. But when it comes down to it, like these random people that we interact with, they, they don't, they really don't care. And that can be perceived as a negative thing. Like, oh, no one, and like people don't really care. Like that, that kind of sucks that I'm not the center of attention, but, but honestly, I don't think, I don't view it that way. And I don't think most people do really. It's kind of a good thing that, um, most people aren't too vested in what you're doing. Cause that would just be overwhelming the amount of pressure that that would bring. But we put that pressure onto ourselves because in our minds, it's like, no, all of this matters so much. But if you think about so many interactions that have happened in the past, most of them you forget about you. I mean, there's only so much, um, storage, so to speak, that we have in our brains to, to remember and process things. And we're only going to remember things that are actually significant in our lives, not the things that are, that are small and inconsequential. Um, even if in the moment it seems like a big deal. So, um, what you just described is really an example of stepping out of your psychological comfort zone. And in my opinion, that's one of the hardest things to do. Um, later on, we can talk about like physical comfort zone challenges, which I find to be easier. Um, everyone's different, but I think the psychological ones for most people tend to be the hardest. I've never laid down um, on the ground in a public space. I think part of the reason too is that there is actually physical vulnerability involved with that. Like you are putting yourself in a physically vulnerable position that if someone wanted to physically harm you, they, that you're you know less likely to be able to defend yourself. So there is an actual risk there. It's very low pr probability that someone's going to attack you for no reason, but that's that's why you go to go Whole Foods. No one's going to attack you. No one's going to attack you at Whole Foods. That's why you go to Whole Foods, people. Go to a go to a bougie environment where you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, I wouldn't go to like 
um, someplace that's like the ghetto or something where you have like low income neighborhoods with a lot of drugs and crime and do that because you'll probably get mugged. Um, I-, I would not do that in front of the McDonald's bathroom. <laughs> um, so I've never done that, but I have done other psychological comfort zone challenges. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to really do it consistently over the years. I kind of do it sporadically just because I just have so much other stuff that that's a priority. It's hard to really take the time out to make a conscious effort to constantly do these psychological comfort zone challenges. But a couple of the things that I've done in the past, one is public speaking. So I've occasionally gone to like these different public speaking events. And for me, public speaking, ever since I can remember, ever since I was a kid, it gave me massive amounts of anxiety. Like, I mean, my heart would beat out of my chest. I'd get, I'd start sweating. My hands would start shaking and sweating and all the, all the um, telltale signs of like a fight or flight response, I would get pretty severely when it came to public speaking, especially I would say it got the worst probably in college for some reason. And it's probably because I was undergoing many mental health issues during the ages of like 18 to 22, but still continued even past then. And even till now I do have fear of public speaking. It's just not as severe as it used to be because over, over time of me doing it and exposing myself to it, the um, fear response has definitely um, gone down significantly, but it is still something that is definitely outside of my comfort zone and not something that I feel um, it's, you know, for some people they can just get up and talk and it's no big deal. And it's just like talking to someone one-on-one or in a small group for me, that is not the case. It definitely stresses me out. And then another um, psychological comfort zone challenges that I've done in the past is cold approach. So going up to a woman that I find to be attractive, who I don't know, who I've never talked to, I don't have any sort of social connection to, and just introducing myself, saying hi, starting a conversation. And I've done this again, sporadically over the years, did it a little bit uh, towards the end of high school, did it a little bit in college, a little bit after college, but it's not something I do consistently. But doing that has definitely, like you said, like once you do it and it's over with, you realize it's really not that bad. It's really the part, the part before doing it that's the worst, like the build up to it. And we, we build up these stories in our head that's like, oh my God, what is she going to say? What am I going to say? What if she... You know, what if she rejects me? What if she, you know, says something mean? What if I look silly in front of all these other people who are watching me do this? It's really these this this buildup prior to it, and these narratives, these these very um, false narratives that we set up for ourselves that make us start to second guess ourselves, and that causes the anxiety response. That causes the buildup of negative emotions and self doubt. And so, really, um, when it comes to these psychological comfort zone challenges we are really um, our own barrier and our own obstacle. Like the obstacle is really within ourselves. It isn't really out there in the world for the most part. It's really the stories we tell ourselves and the dysregulation of our emotions that causes this discomfort um, when it comes to those types of challenges. Yeah. um, And the other thing I want to talk about in terms of like different challenges that you can do um, or not challenges, but just habits and routines that you can get into that kind of um, facilitate getting out of your comfort zone that are a little bit easier than laying down in a public space. Um, The first one, and I think the easiest one is probably cold showers, right? Because you definitely are going to like, I, and this still happens. I've been taking cold showers for probably like a, a year now, every single day. I haven't like missed a single day. Um, and I still get anxiety before I go into the cold shower, but now it's just like, it's, it's just like, I I know how the anxiety feels. So it's not something that really 
takes me off guard per se, or, or really is able to affect me, but it's always there. And I think that's the good thing about cold showers is that you start to realize that when you go out of your comfort zone, that anxiety isn't necessarily going to go away. And that's, that's the number reason, number one reason why I do cold showers. The number two reason is obviously just because it's proven to actually raise your dopamine baseline levels over a prolonged period of time. Um, and it, it's great for your skin. I, whenever I would take hot showers, it would mess up my skin because uh, I have very sensitive skin. And ever since I've been taking cold showers, no dry skin problems for the most part. Um, so that's great. So obviously there's just loads of benefits and I don't waste as much water as well. But yeah, the, the main one is the understanding and the recognition that anxiety is never going to go away. That even if you go into public speaking, even if you you know a- approach a woman who you find attractive, um, or for women women listening, if you approach a man, or for anyone else listening, doesn't matter. Whoever you're attractive to, if you approach them, um, you're always going to feel anxiety, no matter what. Like that narrative in your head, you know, un- unless you're just completely free of anxiety, which I don't know how that feels like or if that's even possible. I don't think it is. Because there's a lot of actors and a lot of people who, you know, are, are talk show hosts who still get anxiety before they have to talk. And they're very open about this. They're just, they're used to the feeling because they've done it so many times. So they're just like, all right, I'm just, this is just another day, just like taking a cold shower. Um, so I think it's just that recognition that no matter what happens, you're going to feel uncomfortable. But it's just, it's literally getting comfortable with the feeling of discomfort. And that's what's that that's what cold showers is really good at. The next one that I would recommend that you're still doing, but I'm not doing because of money reasons, is martial arts or jujitsu. Because I'll I'll talk about my about my initial experience. I was terrified out of my life going into my first jujitsu class. It was definitely worse than um it it was probably I was probably more scared of, of that than I was like laying down in a grocery store. Because I'm, I'm in a new environment with people who I don't know. I have to like, you know, like fight people. I'm clearly going to get destroyed. You know, it's like, it's a humbling experience and it's like a very brand new environment. And, you know, if you don't feel like, you know, getting judged by a bunch of strangers, um, well, I mean, I guess you might be, you know, scared of being judged by strangers for not being good at martial arts when you go in, but Here's the thing, at least the the gym that I went to, which was Gracie Barra, everyone's super nice in the gym because in my opinion, anyone who is at least trying to do jujitsu or most people, I would argue, are trying to improve themselves and they're not just doing it purely for self-defense reasons. Some people might, um, but I think for jujitsu, a lot of people are really just trying to improve their mind, body and spirit. Um, so you really don't have anything to fear in terms of like getting judged by those people. And all of those people have been in the exact same position as you where they sucked. So it's like, they, they understand that, but it's like, you might have all this con you might have a surface level conscious understanding of this, but your subconscious doesn't. So when you go into these classes, it's going to be extremely scary, but then, you know, after a month or two, um, it's, it's going to get a lot better. And then like, even when you go up against like brown belts and black belts, which, which I did, I, w- I would get anxiety. Cause I'm just like, I know I'm going to lose for, for, for the most part. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a good experience to just be okay with the fact that you're going to be in a little dis- discomfort. You're going to be in a little bit of pain, uh, combine that with, with cold showers. And, you know, I don't think you need to lie down in grocery stores. I think 
both of those things in and of themselves are going to really help you get out of your comfort zone. Um, and the last thing I want to talk about is um, public speaking. Um, I mean, I still get scared of public speaking, but at the end of the day, it's just like um, if you're thinking about the fact that you're scared of public speaking, then you are not going to do well. If the, the, the second that you start thinking about the fear instead of just being with the fear and doing it anyway, that's when you're going to perform less well. Because everyone who does public speaking has anxiety before they do like just 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 look up interviews of people like basically conceding to this. Everyone gets has anxiety before they do it. Just like I get anxiety before I do cold showers, but it's just doing it anyway and understanding how the feeling feels like. And and after enough times of doing it, it's it's just going to be you're just not going to think about the fact that you have anxiety. You're just like anxiety. Boom. And then that's it. So, um, yeah, cold showers, jujitsu, and um, potentially like putting yourself out there with public speaking like Toastmasters or I know there's other meetup community groups that you've gone to. So um, maybe you can talk a little bit more about how, you know, cold showers, jujitsu and these public speaking events that you've gone to or anything else has helped you with your comfort zone. Yeah, um, those are three great examples of comfort zone challenges. Uh, there are many other types you can do as well, though, because maybe you're someone who already does cold showers, jujitsu, and public speaking. You're like, I already do all these things. They don't give me anxiety. Doesn't mean you don't have things that are outside of your comfort zone. There's always something that's going to be outside of someone's comfort zone, right? So some other examples, um, spiritual retreats or psychedelic plant medicine ceremonies. These things can be outside of a lot of people's comfort zones because A, on a lot of these types of retreats, I went to one earlier this year. You do a lot of exercises that are very, I'll just say they're weird. They're weird as fuck. Like you do, (laughs) we did like all these different exercises. We did ecstatic dance where you like move your body as freely as possible, but then you also incorporate these, um, I don't even know what they're called, but you basically like try to impersonate certain animals and like act them out. So you pretend to be a certain animal. So like at one point I was supposed to be like a monkey and I had to act like a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Another point I was act I was pretending I was a pelican, you know, so like you're doing these very weird, very, very out there type of things that most people would not feel comfortable. I don't think there's anyone who feels 100% comfortable doing these types of exercises. There was another part of the retreat where we had to communicate only through body language. So like body language and noises, but you can say words. And so someone would have to like, do you use some sort of physical expression with a noise? And then you'd have to try to respond to it and communicate that way just very out there type of stuff. Not to mention we also did, um, and there was other stuff that I'm, I'm not even mentioning that it's, it's hard to explain, but you do all these very, 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 um, yeah, I don't even know how to define it. You just do these exercises that are very outside of um, what you would use, how you would usually behave going through your day-to-day life. Let's just put it that way. And then in addition to that, um, there's also the actual plant medicine aspect of things where you're consuming a mind-altering substance, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, but when you do that, your ego, if you do a high enough dose, your ego gets broken open and you start accessing layers of your subconscious that maybe you've stuffed down, you know, from your childhood or your adolescence or from your past that you don't want to look at. And if you're doing a, a powerful plant medicine ceremony, you're likely, a lot of that stuff is most likely going to surface and you're going to have to be faced with it. And that's going to be extremely uncomfortable. And if you're not prepared for that, it can even be, um, 
you know, it can even be traumatic, but hopefully if you prepare properly, it can be an opportunity to release that trauma and to reprocess it. So that way you can heal and grow. But in order to heal and grow, you need to go through that discomfort. Um, some other examples of comfort zone challenges are very hard workout. You know, for some people, the vast majority of Americans don't even exercise, right? So if you do a very rigorous, you know, form of exercise that makes you sweat and that feels uncomfortable and you're questioning whether or not you can finish it and push through it, that's a great example of, of getting outside of your comfort zone. I know for a lot of people, um, even just going to a normal public commercial gym can be uncomfortable because people are self-conscious of what other people might think of them when they're working out or they're self-conscious about their body type or whatever it might be. So that can be an example of stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, there's, there's so many examples of, of ways that you can step outside of your comfort zone. For example, um, a couple of years ago, I moved from the Bay Area in California to Austin, Texas. So moving to a new city or a new country where you don't know anyone and you've never been there before and you're trying to like restart your life or, or start a new chapter of your life in this new place that's somewhat foreign and you, you're not accustomed to the culture and the people and where everything is and you have to get acclimated, that's definitely an example of stepping outside of your comfort zone. Even traveling uh, somewhere alone can be an example of stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, starting any kind of new activity, it doesn't just have to be martial arts. That's that's one that's definitely going to be very uncomfortable in the beginning, but maybe it's taking um, joining some sort of dance studio or taking some sort of class where you know you, you don't have a, a natural strength or ability in doing that. And being a beginner, right? Being a beginner in things is important, like humbling yourself by starting something new that you know you're not going to be good at or that you don't think you're going to be good at. And starting off as a beginner is a great way to humble yourself and step outside your comfort zone. Because sometimes people, they stay in their lane, they do things that they're really good at for a long period of time, which is great because you're working on mastering your craft. But then a lot of people, their egos can get inflated because they think, oh, I'm so great. Look at me. I'm accomplishing all of these things. I'm really good at these things. But they forget that, hey, there's a million and one other things in this in this life that you actually are not good at at all. And it's important to be reminded of that, I think. So those are some examples of additional things you can do uh, to step outside of your comfort zone. There's the psychological aspect. There's the physical aspect. Um, you can even get into the financial world by like trying to start a new business, potentially having it fail. I've experienced that twice at this point. Um, so that you know is an example of like doing something that is outside of your comfort zone that also has a, a financial risk to it as well. So it's important to do things to to um, step outside of what you're naturally good at or what you usually do during your day-to-day -day routine without without it being something that's going to be too much of a risk to your well-being. You don't want to like destroy your life by taking on you know an irrational amount of risk that's going to end up um, crippling you financially or causing you like a, a, a substantial amount of, I don't know, physical harm or distress. So you have to be smart about it, but it's important to not just get stuck in the day-to-day -day rut of doing what you're used to and trying to change things up, try and experiment with different things, trying to explore different avenues uh, to grow and develop. Yeah. That's why sometimes I don't meditate or, you know, I, I exercise every day because I, I, I feel good after I exercise. It's kind of like a delayed gratification practice. That's the thing. It's like, you know, we we do, the only thing that we do experience is the present moment. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to experience the present moment in some, you know, perceived amount of time. Obviously, you need to be grateful for what you have and the fact that you can die at any moment. 
But at the end of the day, it's like if if you're only living for the present moment, then okay, why not just go take drugs? You know, it's um, there, there, there's there, there's part of getting out of your comfort zone is it, it's it is an idea that you kind of want to grow as a person, which in and of itself is a desire. Is there anything wrong with desires? No, like for, because we, we are living a human experience. And if you just want to be, you know, the the awareness of all that everything is, then um, you, you can do that as well. You can go live in a monastery. Um, I mean, at the same time, it's like they still subject themselves to uncomfortable things. A lot of monks and monasteries fast. That's another thing about um, comfort zone is you know, fasting, because the, the I think the number one problem that a lot of people have is probably not just addiction to like vape vaping or uh like porn masturbation or alcohol it's um eating you know it's like especially since we have so many things around us that especially in america that are engineered to taste good so that you want more of it um and I've been fasting. I mean, we, we've talked about fasting before in other podcasts, so I'm not going to go in depth about, um, you know, my, my entire routine and everything, but I've been fasting for about four years. And at first it was very uncomfortable. It was I, out of all the habits that I've introduced into my life. Fasting was initially probably the hardest um, because you know your body's so used to something for such a long time. Um, and it, it, especially when eating, when eating calories and consuming energy is what keeps you alive. You know, it's like quitting alcohol and vaping. That That's one thing because it, it you don't need it. It's to, to like be alive, but like you need food to be alive. So that's why it, that's why I think dealing with food is probably like one of, one of the hardest things people can actually go through. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, there's, there's some psychological things. I mean, for me, I would say that the, the comfort zone challenge of going through ju- the like beginning jujitsu and even doing that, like lying down in the grocery store might've been like, might've made me feel more discomfort than fasting did. But over a long period of time, fasting definitely made me feel more discomfort because you, you like, it, because I was, I was eating breakfast at like 8am and lunch at 12am, like four years ago. Um, and then I just switched to only eating at 2 p.m. And it's like you literally are sitting there six hours and you're just going through hunger pangs. And that is very uncomfortable and very difficult. So that is a comfort zone challenge that, you know, has absolutely so many. It's not just a comfort zone challenge. It's a routine. And it just has so many ridiculously benefits. And I would suggest you watch our podcast or listen to our podcast. Uh, regarding fasting because we have a, a, a lot of information about our routines and how we got into it and um, some of the the pitfalls of of uh, eating certain foods and and whatnot so fasting is a really good one um, and then one that I started doing was starting a TikTok account and and this podcast as well I mean I'm not gonna lie before every podcast I get nervous um, just because it's like, oh, you know, what if I don't have something to say? Um, but there's, there, there's nothing wrong with that anxiety. So like, e- even like, you know, now, like throughout this podcast, I'll get like little hits of anxiety. Cause I'm just like, oh, what am I going to say? And, but it's just like, that's like a narrative. That's just an idea that I have in my head because I perceive that 
is so, or it's or I'm attached to the idea that if I say something weird or if I don't articulate myself properly, that someone's going to judge me or the podcast isn't going to do well. And it's just it's just an idea that really serves no purpose at the end of the day. I mean, the, the purpose is that I don't if you really question it all the way to the root that I don't want my social status lowered. That's that's the main reason why I get the anxiety. But it's like once you shine a light on it and you kind of understand it, you're just like, oh, that's why that's there. Because I was conditioned to think this. So I'm just going to allow it to be there and not think about it. Um, which, by the way, it's harder harder than, um, than I'm making it out to be because I definitely still get wrapped up in thinking about it. But, you know, it's that that's something that meditation can help out with. That's another comfort zone thing because when I first started meditation, I'm sitting there with my thoughts. And, you know, it's funny because I was uncomfortable with literally feeling my own heartbeat for a while. Like literally just like, having it be there and just like without any noise around me, I was just like, this is extremely uncomfortable. Um, I mean, I got diagnosed with ADD. I mean, I guess anyone in this culture who's addicted to social media could probably get diagnosed with ADD. Um, So meditation has really helped me become aware of those thoughts when I'm, when I'm about to, or when I am uncomfortable, that is just literally an idea that I have attached to, that serves really no purpose except for some, you know, innate survival mechanism, innate social survival mechanism that really does not apply to my situation right now. Um, so because that's that can definitely apply to certain situations. You know, if you're being a complete asshole and you're getting some social anxiety because of that, that's a sign to tone it down. So like that, that can be very useful in certain situations where, you know, if you are starving and you want people to like you so they share their food with you, uh, you that anxiety serves a purpose. But in this society, you know, we we have everything we want. We that that anxiety does not serve a purpose, but it's still there and it's always gonna be there because it's built into our our fucking brain. Um, so and there's nothing wrong with it being there either. And by the way, when you get anxiety, you your senses heighten. So, you know, a, a lot of people say that when you do public speaking, that anxiety actually helps you perform better because it heightens your senses. It makes you more alert. So as long as you're not thinking about that anxiety, but just understanding that it is making you more alert and it is actually helping you in some sense and there's nothing wrong with it. The only thing that's wrong with it is the fact that you're labeling that there's something wrong with it. Then it's really not that big of a deal. And then you can, you can just, you can just sit with it and you can be in the moment, but it like what, not attaching to that narrative is difficult because we've been doing it our entire life. And it's just a process. So doing all these comfort zone challenges that we've been talking about this entire podcast um, over a long period of time is going to slowly teach your brain that these narratives and concepts don't really serve a purpose and you don't have to attach to them, but they're always going to be there. Right. These comfort zone challenges are essentially a form of exposure therapy which basically the more you do something that makes you feel uncomfortable or that provokes a certain degree of fear or anxiety from within yourself, uh, the more you become acclimated to it, the more you gain a tolerance to it. And then it stops taking hold and lessons and lessons over time. And potentially, you know, I know you say it'll never go away. I think in some certain circumstances, it can go away completely. Like when I first started doing jujitsu, I also had anxiety going into class and now I don't have it anymore at all because I go, like, you know, multiple times a week and I 
I'm just so used to it. There's no anxiety anymore. Right. But then for other things, maybe it will always be there and it'll never fully go away. And, and that's okay too. But the more that you do it, it'll take less of a hold on you. And then as a result of that, you know, you don't have to worry about it so much anymore. So that's one form that's exposure therapy. And one thing, and also to, to take note of when it comes to that is, is the recognition that the anxiety and the, and the fear exist within yourself. It doesn't exist outside in that whatever it is that you think it exists in the, the anxiety and the fear, like public speaking in and of itself is not scary. Public speaking is just public speaking, right? The, the, what is the anxiety and the fear and the, and, and what is causing you to be scared is arising from within yourself. It's just, it's just like anything else in life. And for another example is a perfect example is really when people say, oh, I have a very stressful job. Well, is the job stressful? No, the job is just a job which the, the job is, is causing, is triggering inside of you a stress response. And, and there's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be stressed out by a job. But what I'm saying is that it's important to recognize that that response and that emotion and that feeling is arising within your own body and within your own field of consciousness. It doesn't exist. The external world is neutral. It is what it is. Now, there are obviously are certain jobs that are going to be more likely to cause people a certain, a certain degree of stress than others, right? But Nonetheless, the job is just is what it is, and and th and that response exists from within you. So if you can regulate that response within yourself, you can gain a better control over your emotions and not be as triggered by certain events and circumstances. Unless you have full mastery over your mind, you're, there's always going to be some sort of fear or stress or anxiety to certain things. But you can lessen that over time through exposure therapy is one way by doing things over a period of time and getting used to it. And then the other way is also by Practicing things that help you to regulate your neurocircuitry, the, the neurotransmitters that are running through your brain, as well as um, the hormones that are running through your physiology. So your hormones, your, neuro, your um, neurochemistry, your physiology, um, and yeah, just basically the different chemicals and hormones that are running through your body and your brain that are impacting you to have these certain responses. And one of the best ways to help to regulate that is through your breath and through breathing and through conscious breathing and through various forms of breath work like box breathing and 478 breathing and Wim Hof and there's countless forms of breath work that help to help to balance out your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems so that way you aren't as triggered by certain things and if you can if you can breathe through certain experiences or you can breathe through those times when you're feeling anxiety it will help you to lower the amount of anxiety and stress that you're experiencing and over time, the more you focus on various forms of breath work, the, the better ability you'll be able to have to cope with various circumstances and situations that would usually cause you a great degree of stress. And so I think breathing is one of the number one ways to help to rewire your, your, your brain, your amygdala, your pituitary gland, your, they call it your HPA access. I've mentioned this multiple times before. It's your hypothalamus, pituitary, and adrenal access. And this communication between these three parts of your body and your brain are a big part in what regulates and, or rather causes um, stress, anxiety, fear. And if you can help to regulate the communication between them properly, breathwork being one of the best ways to do it, it'll lower your fear response and your stress response to certain stimuli. That's one way. The other way, which you just talked about is meditation. Meditation incorporates breath work to, to some degrees, right? You can incorporate both of them together. 
but that's another way to help to calm your mind, calm your fear response, gain a better control over um, your emotions and the different responses that you have to things that are happening in your life. And then even cold showers, like you mentioned, cold showers is a great way to help to regulate your nervous system. Because usually what happens when the cold, the cold water hits you, you start breathing deeply, right? You start breathing deeply, hopefully through your nose and your, <laughs> you breathe through that experience and, and being able to, um, being able to undergo and push through the internal resistance and the physical discomfort that comes from a cold shower and the shock of that experience in the moment helps you to the next time that you undergo some sort of physical stress, you have a better ability to cope with it because you're now building up, um, durability and, um, yeah, durability to certain experiences that cause you physical discomfort. And so, and there's, there's many other ways you can regulate your nervous system and, and deal with this, but it's important to know that there's the exposure therapy side of things like through the comfort zone challenges. And then there's the regulation and the development of your, the chemicals and hormones that run through your body through these various spiritual disciplines. Yeah. And so there, there's a lot of things that we can do to expose ourselves to the many fears. I mean, there, there's no such thing as not having fear. I think I, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I'm pretty sure courage is acting in, in the face of fear, not, not, um, despite it. Right. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's well. There's a there's something similar to that. It's from actually. I'm not a huge like sci-fi person, or I don't even know a fantasy person. But Game of Thrones. There's a quote in that. I think it's in the first season, if I remember correctly. And, and one of the characters says, um, "Can a man be brave if he is afraid?" And then the guy responds, "That is the only time a man can be brave." Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so same 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 concept. Um, yeah. But you know, like you said. Fear and anxiety does not exist anywhere but in your own field of consciousness or in like in, in your own body, right? So I think, by the way, I, I don't know if I low-key had an insight when you said it, but it like resonated with me pretty hard when you when you said that, you know, it doesn't exist outside. Because yeah, I, I do understand on some level that the the world just is and the only thing that applies labels is the ego itself. Um but yeah, the, the way you said it made, made a lot of sense. You know, it's like the, the people out there aren't giving you anxiety. You are thinking thoughts that is giving you anxiety. Um, and you need to take responsibility for the thoughts that you're thinking. Um, it's not anyone else's responsibility to regulate that for you. It's, it's, it's something that I've struggled with my entire life. You know, it's like, it's, it's why you literally should not blame anyone for anything. It's like, you cannot control the world. You can only control your response. So it's like trying to like force someone to do something because, because you don't like how the way they make you feel that has nothing to do with it. You should always communicate if someone, you know, if someone doing something arose thoughts into your mind that you don't like, or like arose or elicited feelings into your body that you don't like, you should always communicate that, but it's not up to them to, you know, to change their themselves for you. It's, it's up to you to respond accordingly. So if, if you ask someone to stop doing something and they don't stop doing something, then you stop seeing them as much. That's like your response to the situation. It's not, Oh, I, if this person doesn't do that, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to be sad and, 
and um, it, it's going to affect the way I feel. It's like you're now you're just blaming someone and you, you're saying that this external thing is the anxiety when it's in here and you're the only one that can take responsibility and and essentially change your mindset surrounding it. So I think that's all these comfort zone challenges are really trying to do is just trying to more more or less prove to your subconscious mind that your your conscious mind is calling the shots in, in a certain way. It's like the mind is a, a great servant and a horrible master. And I think when 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 we talk about the mind, it, we're, we're talking about the subconscious mind. Obviously, there's there's different parts to it. But I like to think of the conscious mind as, you know, kind of like, you know, the it's not you because you are everything that exists. You're the underlying awareness. And, you know, the the whole thing about the conscious mind is that it's still partially an ego and, and your subconscious mind is just like habitual routines and and your and still like a, a sense of self and whatnot. And it's way more complicated. I'm definitely oversimplifying right now. But the, the point is that, you know, if, if you want to experience peace of mind and, and happiness, you have to realize that sometimes you're not going to be experiencing peace and happiness, and that's perfectly okay. And it's actually the con- being completely aware in that situation and being okay with it is where you're growing. That's always where you're growing. You're never growing in your comfort zone in the same shit that you do every day. You are growing in the unknown, not the known. So that's what these comfort zone challenges are trying to get you to do. I mean, if you do cold showers every single day and you feel experience the same feeling over and over, over and over, it's like that unknown feeling starts to become known, right? But at the same time, that known feeling, now now you kind of like know that feeling a little bit better. And because you know it a little bit better, it's it's more comfortable. That's why it's like getting comfortable with discomfort is is very important to grow yourself as a person but it's not just doing the same things like jujitsu and cold showers every single day it's exposing yourself to new things that you're not good at that that are going to challenge that that's going to challenge your current state of being that is literally going to force your brain to adapt and grow new neural connections i mean that that's what happens in the unknown that's what happens when you get out of your comfort zone you're you're becoming your brain's literally rewiring itself it's learning and it's 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 the best thing you could possibly do do for yourself to just get out of your comfort zone so yeah right that's a good point you're you're literally retraining your subconscious to some degree like you might have your subconscious is also limiting beliefs right a lot of limiting beliefs yes they arise in your consciousness as as words and thoughts like i am not good at this but that usually stems from a feeling and an emotion subconsciously that was learned at some point in your past. So you might have this unconscious belief that it could be anything. Like I am not someone who can make a lot of money. Like I'm someone who's going to be broke for the rest of my life. That might be a lot of people's limiting beliefs, right? And it forms consciously in these thoughts of like, oh, I don't have enough money. I'm not earning enough. But usually a lot of those thoughts stem from a subconscious emotion or feeling that probably stems from maybe when you're a kid and you lived in a household that had financial stresses and maybe your parents told you that, you know, you'd never make a lot of money and to just kind of try to get by in life. And maybe you lived in an environment surrounded by people who struggled financially. And so you, you ingrained this limiting belief subconsciously that you're not going to be someone who can make a lot of money. 
And then consciously, as you grow up, that kind of populates in your mind, but it stems from a subconscious belief. But, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head of a comfort zone challenge that would change that. But there are certain things you can do in terms of comfort zone challenges where maybe you had a limiting belief with regards to some aspect of your life. And then you step outside your comfort zone and start doing something new and different. And then you start getting results from that. And, and then getting results from that new habit or routine can start to help you rewire those limiting beliefs and rewire your subconscious, right? A, an example I can think of that's easier to, to talk about would be like physical health. So maybe you grew up thinking like, oh, I'm someone who has health problems. I can't be healthy. I'm overweight. I have X, Y, and Z chronic illness. And then you start taking a step, right? You start, oh, you know, maybe it's just simp- something as simple as um, eating a cleaner diet and exercising, which is outside of your comfort zone because you're not used to doing that. But then you start doing it. You start doing these things that are outside of your comfort zone. You start going to the gym or you start eating healthy and then you start seeing the results. And then that rewires your subconscious holding patterns and beliefs and emotions that are stored. And then through that, you can break through and then have radical transformation and change. So that's another one of the things that you brought up. I think that's definitely very true. Definitely very insightful. There was something else that you mentioned towards the end, but I'm not remembering it exactly. Um, what was the last part? You're, do you remember the last part that you were talking about? Um, I was talking about the idea that comfort zone challenges are literally rewiring your brain to learn new things, to make new neural connections. Oh, that's right. You're talking about kind of reiterating what I was talking about earlier, which is like doing something different. So, and we just talked about this, but just to, to, to reiterate that, like, if you're at one point, you might be saying, oh, this, whatever it is, like I'm, uh, I'm taking cold showers and this is outside of my comfort zone. Well, if you're doing that every day or most days and you're doing it regularly in a few years from now, that's not going to be outside of your comfort zone anymore. So you can't just say, well, I'm doing things outside of like, that's no longer that's now that's in your comfort zone. You're used to doing that. It's a habit. It's a routine. It's probably uncomfortable for you to take a hot shower because you're so used to doing the cold one. So like you mentioned, it's really important and yes, it's still physically uncomfortable to take the cold shower. I'm not denying that, but it's it's because it's ingrained and it's a habit, it's not as uncomfortable. So you're not really stretching yourself at that point. So it's important to to try to constantly incorporate new things that are different, that are actually outside of your comfort zone and not just kind of get comfortable doing things that for most people are uncomfortable that put that for you, you're just it's just a normal day in the life. So just keep in mind whether or not what you're doing is actually really pushing past your comfort zone and making you experience a little of anxiety, a little bit of stress, or if it's just something that used to be uncomfortable and is now easy for you to do. And so just be, be conscious and aware of whether or not that's the case. And only you can um, dictate whether or not that's the case for you. And then, um, yeah, going back as a last thought to this idea of uh, the stress, the fear, the anxiety, any emotion you experience is arising from within you. It doesn't exist within that, within the external world. Um, that's, in my opinion, an extremely empowering insight because imagine if everything was primarily dictated by things outside of yourself. And and let's just say you, you live in a society where um, that you think like, oh, this is all, everything isn't, is mismanaged. Things is, you know, maybe you have a nihilistic view, a very pessimistic view about external circumstances in the world and the people you're around. And if, if you believe that your negative emotions were primarily the result of those things and you, you can't change the external world, you can have some impact and influence on certain things for sure over a period of time. But for the most part, 
you're not going to be able to change a lot of things in society and in the way things are done to just be like, well, my negative state is a result of something that's outside of my control. That's very disempowering. But to know that ultimately, yes, the external world is going to influence you. It's going to have uh, an impact on your response, but that the primary mover of those emotions and of those thoughts and of those feelings is, is within yourself and is something that you can ultimately control if you work at it constantly on a day-to-day basis. That is very empowering because regardless of the external circumstances that you're going through, you can improve your mental health, uh, your spiritual well-being, and all of the emotions that you experience on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And the last thing I, I want to talk about regarding this is is related to the fact that physiologically there's no difference between anxiety and excitement. And I know this has kind of been, you know, cliched at this point. And, you know, some people not, might be like, oh, but it's like, I still feel this. I still feel anxiety. What's happening in your body is the exact same thing. It's just, it depends on how you label it. it that's that, because if you literally hook up wires to somebody who's feeling anxiety or feeling excitement, it's the same physiological response. It All, all it has to do with is how you are framing it. Um, so if you frame anxiety as this is just what I experience, it's going to make me more alert and you can become aware of that and kind of just like make that recognition over time. It's going to be a lot easier to get out of your comfort zone because you realize it's just like this is just happening within me and I have the power. Everyone has the willpower to instead make a decision that they know is going to push them to new heights as a human being, therefore getting themselves out of their comfort zone. Great point. Um, Think about one, two or three ways that you can step outside of your comfort zone, you know, write them down, try to stick to it, do a 30 day challenges, a 30 day challenge. I'm a big fan of those kind of things where you either do a 30 day or 60 day, 90 day kind of challenge figure out something that you can do um, to step outside of it, to push yourself past it. And as a result of that, you will ultimately grow. You will develop yourself. You'll become more confident. You'll become more courageous and it will flow over into various aspects of your life and ultimately make you a more well-rounded and uh, conscious human being. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.